the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, on today's program, a special conversation with Bay Area pastor of Calvary Chapel, The Rock, located in Santa Rosa. We're delighted to have with us today, Pastor Ross Reinman. Pastor Reinman, welcome. Good to have you with us. And thanks, Craig. It's uh, great to be here and, uh, you know, to see you uh, here uh, after all those years of commuting uh, uh, in the car together. I don't know if you were aware of that. Yeah, I but, might not uh, have been aware of that. I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not always that, that, that attentive uh, of, of who I might be riding with, but I appreciate that. And, uh, and delight, yeah, delight to be like seen. What are they, like they say, great to, be, like, great to see you and good to be seen. Well, Pastor, yeah. lots to talk about, but I want to begin kind of turning back the clock to your own spiritual journey. And I'm fascinated. I understand your conversion took place on the streets of San Francisco. Tell me more. It, it did. It was pretty amazing. My my Jewish father became a Christian at 55, and uh, I was 18 years old, and uh, I have three siblings as well in their teens, and we thought he went crazy um, and started reading his Bible all the time. And uh, I moved out to get away from the gospel, and so I moved to San Francisco, where I thought maybe God couldn't find me. Uh, come to find out that the Lord is... <laughs> living in the city as well and so uh yeah i had uh, street preachers uh people talking to me at work all kinds of um people just i call it the year i got ambushed by god and uh yeah lo and behold my brother and i were in a uh club and we were underage at the time and i sort of had a vision i call it an audio a vision where the Lord was just really speaking to me. And so the room kind of got blurry and I got a little nauseous and I hadn't been drinking. And I heard a voice in my head that said, why will you go to hell when you don't have to? And it kept repeating and repeating. And uh, I don't even remember walking out of the bar, but my brother walked me out and on the sidewalk, uh, I just told my brother, I think, that Jesus that dad talks about is talking to me and telling me not to go to hell, but to come to heaven with him. And I thought my brother was going to uh, uh, kind of talk me down and, and offer to buy me a beer or something. And instead, he started crying and he said that the Lord had been speaking to him as well. And right there and then we bowed our heads with no Christian around at all. And said a simple little prayer, uh, God, you're right, uh, we surrender our lives to you. And uh, that uh, same afternoon, we drove down to Santa Cruz, where my dad managed a hotel at the time and busted through the doors. or like, Mom and Dad, we're Christians, and uh, I had a vision. And, uh, and then uh, my mother, who had been tolerating my dad for a year, just listening, you know, as an unbeliever, she became a Christian. Uh, on that day, because uh, she said, I know there's a God in heaven. Uh, 
when my boys come in and start talking about the Lord. And so my dad uh, that day led us all, the whole family was there and led us all on our knees. <laughs> it's very moving to even think about it. Uh, that was in 1979. And we all prayed together and we all got baptized in the same uh, baptismal uh, tank there in the Christian Life Center in Santa Cruz. So that's how it started. <laughs> the, the, the hound of heaven pursuing you. I love that story. And, you yeah. know, it, it goes to sort of that Romans 1 notion that God will indeed, the Holy Spirit will pursue us and will draw mm. us and will convict of sin. And uh, it's exciting to hear those kinds of stories because it's just demonstrative of how passionate his love for us and in a sense of, uh, and I mean this in a real good way, a sense of desperation that God has in wanting to have relationship with his creation so much so that he recognized, you know what, I've got to provide a pathway because watching the children of Israel trying to keep the Sabbath and keep the law and make the sacrifices just wasn't sufficient. But he came up with a way that would be a complete sufficiency for all sin, for all mankind, for all time. And that's that's pretty amazing in that gift of Jesus Christ, isn't it? Right. And and he was pursuing long before we even knew about it. True. That's his love. You know, we oh, we were living in Boston. And my dad, uh, what got us out to California and to Santa Cruz is my dad had a bankruptcy and he got in trouble with the law uh, in a business sense of that and wanted to run. And so uh, we decided yeah, in those days, in the 70s, no computers or anything. You could run and hide, you know. So my dad, um, we got out at the encyclopedia and we looked at a map of California and I'm, I'm, I'm saying, hey, let's just go here. This place, Santa Cruz, or no rhyme or reason, Santa Cruz, from all unbelievers. And uh, we just got on a, like a midnight flight and uh, we, we, land, we landed in L.A., but we did eventually start living in Santa Cruz and in Santa Cruz is a Bible college mm -hmm. that my brother and I would graduate from, you see. So when we went down to uh, tell my dad that we had found the Lord, uh, we moved back to Santa Cruz and then we ended up going to a church that was affiliated with that Bible college. And both my brother and I, who had walked out six months earlier from a club in San Francisco and got saved on the sidewalk, uh, ended up in the Bible college in Santa Cruz, where we just picked out of a map. Uh, in New England <laughs> as a place to run away. <laughs> yeah. You you think you just picked it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying is that God's been out. You know, he, he knew us from eternity past. And when he's got his eye on you, you know, you just should come peacefully. Yeah, you know, when demonstrative of the idea that you can run from trouble, you can run from the law, you can run from reality. But you can't run very far from the Holy Spirit, can you? No, Craig, I was on I was an unbeliever running from dad and and his Jesus. I was standing at, on at Powell Street waiting for the cable car. And um, there was a guy street preaching and I was hiding in the crowd. And I just thought he's going to find me. I just know he's going to find me. And sure enough, he walks through the crowd. He walks up to me and says, do you? 
know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I said, no, I don't, but I have a funny feeling I'm going to. And he laughed and he asked me why. And I said, well, my dad just became a Christian. He's Jewish. We're not supposed to believe in Jesus. And uh, everywhere I go, somebody's got a sign or hands me a tract. And it's like, I can't get away from this God. And uh, he tried to lead me, but it just wasn't the right moment. You know, I needed that smackdown in in the bar uh, to get my attention. Is there a message, in your opinion, Pastor Ross, for, for every person eavesdropping on our conversation right now that has fear over loved ones, maybe a wayward son or a daughter or a parent that's been resistive? toward the gospel. And I ask that question because what utter irony, the city of San Francisco that has such a reputation for, you know, the, the, the center of love back in the 1960s and Vietnam protests and San Francisco has always had a bit of a contrarian bent to it. And so I, I would kind of incur, concur with you that one might think that a half-Jewish boy from Boston could run to San Francisco and hide from God there, and yet, as we said earlier, the hound of heaven <laughs> manages to find you anyway. And isn't it just like God and in a place that you would think would be the least likely, likely that you would have an encounter with the living God would be on the streets of San Francisco, and yet there it was. Is, is, is there a message of hope to every person out there who has a loved one that has resisted the gospel? Well, sure. I, I tell people, look, God loves them more than we could ever love them, and that we didn't create them. God created them using us, but they belong to God. And and God's heart is, you know, yeah, God our, God our Savior wants everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth, and he's not willing that anyone perish. And uh, I love Ezekiel thirty three eleven. He says, uh, surely as I live, says the Lord, I take no delight in the death of the wicked, rather that they turn to me and live. You see, so I just know God's heart, and I trust that he is after uh, everybody because he doesn't want anybody to perish. And he listens to our prayers, and he knows the burdens on our hearts. And uh, so he is working in those loved ones' lives, even though we can't see anything on the outside, you know. That wonderful parable, the, the image of the shepherd leaving the flock momentarily to go right. and retrieve the one lost sheep. And while that kind of imagery today, you know, few of us grew up on farms, might not be able to completely grasp the totality of the message. But once you do and begin to sort of realize that imagery in your own mind and then apply it to your own life, that image of uh, the shepherd Jesus going out after us and retrieving us, pulling us back in some cases from the brink of death and destruction and the edge of the cliff, so to speak. What a joy, what a delight to know that he's that passionate about wanting to, to save us and to walk in fellowship with us. Yeah, if you look at the cross, and I mean, Isaiah says, after that brutal beating, you know, he wasn't even recognizable as a human being. And that's what God went through so that nobody would perish. And so uh, his heart is, is that I, I love that parable when he sends out his workers, the king uh, sends them out 
inviting everybody to this beautiful banquet, i.e. heaven. And uh, he says, uh, go through the highways and the byways into the hedges and in- invite everyone, uh, the poor and the lame and uh, uh, the good and the bad, he says, that my house might be full, you know, that's his heart. And so uh, we just rest in his love and we entrust. I love what Paul said. I, I know that I'm convinced that he is able to keep that which I've entrusted unto him. And so we entrust those one, those souls that we care about that at the moment don't know him, uh, that one day they would come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. Our conversation today with Pastor Ross Reinman, lead pastor of Calvary Chapel, The Rock, Santa Rosa. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our discussion in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Ross Reinman, lead pastor of Calvary Chapel, The Rock, Santa Rosa. Pastor Ross, let me ask you this. Some might say the the relocation to Santa Cruz was a coincidence. I'm going to use God incidents because I think it's a lot more yeah. more accurate. By any chance, was that Bethany that you wound up attending? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, mm-hmm. Bethany Bible College. But how I got to CLC, I mean, I am a man with many dramatic, miraculous stories. And so I here's one of them, how we got into Bible College there and got associated with the Assemblies of God. I, I moved in with my parents to that hotel because I can't live with my drug uh, drug dealing uh, roommates in San Francisco anymore because my eyes are open. So I move in with dad and mom, but I'm hugging a King James Gideon's Bible and, and I'm just like coming off of a whole scene there. And uh, I, I just need some help. So my dad says, who hadn't found a church yet, uh, my dad says, hey, I know a pastor who stayed at the hotel. I'll give him a call uh, from New Life Center. So he called back in the day, 411, you remember that, right? (laughs) And the operator gave him the number. He called and he said, hey, I mean, Pastor Steve, she connected him to Pastor Steve and said, hey, you stayed at the hotel. I've got a young uh, man here. He's 19. Uh, He's just from the Lord, but he really needs some help. And he said, I'll be right over. Well, when he walked in the door, my dad looked at me surprised and whispered, That's not him. So Mm. (laughs) what happened was he asked for New Life Center and the operator gave him Christian Life Center. Both of them had Pastor Steve's. So Pastor Steve just thought, what's this guy talking about a hotel? Whatever, I'll come down and, and minister to your boy. So in walks the wrong Pastor Steve, who is still my mentor 42 yeah, years that wasn't the later. wrong that wasn't the wrong pastor god that has was a little, the right yeah steve. that was the right steve absolutely <laughs> that's right and uh so the right steve happened to be the youth pastor associate pastor at christian life center in santa cruz so of course we ended up going to his youth group and then i met somebody who was visiting from bethany on sunday you know they come down the hill from scotts valley and attend our church. And then one of them invited my brother and I to lunch up after a Sunday service. And the rest is history. When we saw that beautiful campus and said, okay, wait a second, everybody's Christian here. 
yeah, it's a Bible college. Oh, and all you do is study the Bible, and all the teachers are Christian. And I said, yes, it's a Bible college. <laughs> and uh, so beautiful. We both said, we're going here. And uh, so, like I said, six months from that conversion on the, on the sidewalk in, in San Francisco, we were at Bethany Bible College, where we both went four years and graduated as ministerial majors, both of us in ministry all of our lives. Wow. So that trajectory from bowing before the altar to getting pulled into preparation for ministry, it it was, compared with most of us, a a little bit on the seamless side, meaning that it just just kind of seems to flow. Yeah, it's kind of, I kind of think of it as getting stuck in a tractor beam, you know. I mean, God just latched on to us, and, and none of my Christian life has been my own doing. It just feels like I'm just trying to cooperate with what God wants out of me and, uh, you know, the, the gifts and abilities that he's given me. Some people struggle. I hear every once in a while folks will say, Gee, you know, I'm I'm still trying to ascertain what ministry God is calling me to or what the Lord wants me to do. And you get that growing sense of frustration. And yet I think it's a matter, as you're suggesting, I believe, Pastor, that um, God will call us. He will equip us. We just have to make ourselves available. And I think sometimes we fret too much over trying to fine tune exactly where the Lord is going to lead us. And we want everything mapped out well in advance. You know, get in the car. Let's make sure we launch Google Maps before we start the engine so we know where we're going. But I think more often than not, God tends to take us on a meandering trajectory that if we knew in advance, we'd probably run in the absolute opposite opposite direction and yet as we follow that still small voice and allow the leading of the holy spirit and just be brave and bold enough to take god at his word and say lord i don't know where we're going i'm not even sure what i'm doing but i make myself wholly available to you you open the door and i will walk through is that ultimately the best approach in order to really ascertain one's quote-unquote calling in life Yeah, you know, I tell people who are searching for a way to be helpful, go to your pastor and say, what what do you guys need? You know, I'll help with the coffee. I'll set up chairs. You know, that's different from somebody who comes to me and says, hey, pastor, I want to do A, B and C. You know, well, sometimes we don't have a need for A, B or C. You know, it would be nice to go to the pastor and say, where are you lacking? How can I help? And it's amazing how oftentimes it lines up with the very thing they're good at and the very thing that brings them joy, you know. And so I just see it as, you know, Proverbs, uh, what is it, 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. So so we love him with all our uh, all of our hearts, mind, soul, and strength, and spirit, and uh, as we do that, our days unfold in God's will, and He leads us as we yield our lives and 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 try to please Him. Now, following that uh, four-year stint in uh, that beautiful mountain setting of Bethany Bible College there in Scotts Valley, um, what was the next steps? Where was the Lord leading you? What what led you eventually to uh, to start a church twenty-one something years ago in the uh, in the North Bay, now in Santa Rosa? 
Are you ready for another miraculous story? Absolutely. <laughs> Lay it on me. <laughs> I, uh, a missionary came through talking about Thailand, and I wanted to go to Thailand. So I graduated from Bethany, and I did some training as a missionary in training, and I started itinerating, raising support through local churches. And so I ended up uh, speaking in Santa Rosa at a, at a church here. And uh, my my wife, my, my wife <laughs> was sitting there in uh, as a young woman uh, listening to uh, the sermon there that Sunday morning. And her sister-in-law whispered in her ear, I think that's God's will for your life. Uh, I think that's going to be your husband. Uh, what do you think? Do you like him? And Bard was like, are you kidding me? What are you talking about? He's He lives in Santa Cruz and he's going to Thailand. Uh, so, yeah. And, and she goes, he's funny. He wants to be a missionary. You want to be a missionary? You went to Bible college. It's a perfect match. Can I pray about it? And my wife is like, you can pray all you want. You know, that's just craziness. And so the sister-in-law went to the other sisters and said, um, the Lord has showed us, you know, this this perfect guy. He just needs to fall in love and meet Barb and all of this just stuff. Just minor so details. All the, sisters, <laughs> all the sisters started praying that Ross the missionary, that's how they called me, Ross the missionary would find Barb and they would uh, we would fall in love and get married. Little did they know that uh, the pastor uh, said as I was leaving town, hey, if you ever change your mind about Thailand, I would hire you in a heartbeat. I, I could use a guy like you. So let me know. And I said, man, come on. I just raised support at your church. I'm going to Thailand. I, I have prayer cards with a hut and a palm tree on it. Come on. I'm going to Thailand, man. And uh, so a month all every day, Santa Rosa, Santa Rosa. That's all I could think about it. All those faces and what a beautiful time we had. And uh, sure enough, I, I just had no peace and I wanted to go to Santa Rosa. And I don't know, of course, I don't know any of this story, you know. And uh, so I resigned from the program and uh, called the pastor and uh, he said, sure enough, come on up. And so I came uh, and I was introduced on the platform on the same morning that Barb had to sing. So uh, she had to walk right by me on the platform. When she got to the choir loft after her solo, she said to an elder's wife, whispering, what is he doing here? <laughs> and then the elder's wife, who knew the whole story, said, oh, he's been interviewed. He's going to be a young, the young adult pastor here. And she said, Oh my goodness! My whole family is praying for this guy that he—he—they he, think he's God's will for my life. And then uh, she just kind of looked at her like, "Well, <laughs> you know, there he is." And so nobody told me anything, but of course I started to pursue her, of course, and uh, date her. And then, like on the third or fourth date, she broke down and told me, "Well, once the sisters found out that I was dating her and interested in her." Uh, they were all on fire praying it through. So that's how we got married. And I didn't go to Thailand, but uh, we got married in uh, 1986 and started having kids. And uh, I, I went down to Fuller Seminary and uh, with our little babies. And then we moved to Japan where we thought we were going to be career missionaries. We spent four years there. 
And then we came back and started a church in, in San Francisco with a best friend of mine. Uh, and that was wonderful experience. And then uh, the Lord put it on our hearts to come back to Santa Rosa with our three little grade school kids. And uh, we were got involved with Calvary Chapel. And uh, then after a bone marrow transplant for uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, I came back to the church in Petaluma where I was helping out. And I didn't fit in there anymore. And so that's the diving board that I didn't fit in. I outgrew my helpfulness there. I just, you know, I was volunteering, speaking here and there. But uh, yeah, so that's the point where the Lord showed me I didn't really fit there anymore, that I should start a new work. And so we hung out a sign on the streets in Sebastopol, rented this tiny little hall, got 40 Costco chairs and uh, prayed and started with Matthew chapter one, verse one, and started teaching through the Bible with about 25 people there. Our conversation today with Pastor Ross Reinman, lead pastor of Calvary Chapel, The Rock, Santa Rosa. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our discussion in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Ross Reinman, lead pastor of Calvary Chapel, The Rock, Santa Rosa. Pastor Ross, let me come back to what we were discussing just before the break. It strikes me that one of potential many subtitles of of the book someday uh, could include dot, 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 but God had other plans. Because seemingly you've 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 headed in certain trajectories and God had other plans and and repeatedly along your uh, your spiritual and ministry journey, it seems as if God has just opened up doors and opened up opportunities. I, I, I'm, for example, the the stint working as a missionary in Japan and, and mm-hmm. given the diversity of of the San Francisco Bay Area and, and even up in the in the northern section of the bay in Santa Rosa. Um, mm-hmm. Are there ways in which you feel now looking back on that, that while you might have thought Thailand, then God said, no, I'm going to send you to Japan instead. But ultimately, you're going to come back to the Bay Area in the North yeah. Bay and found right. and pastor a church. And I'm just wondering now. Now, as you look back, it's sort of this this broader, but God had other plans. Did you see ways in which he was giving you the tools that you would need to do what he's called you to do today? Absolutely. In Japan, I wanted to be a career missionary, and uh, I was learning Japanese. My kids, one of them was born there. Uh, they started learning Japanese. I really, you know, I had conversations with Barb. Uh, let's do this. Our kids will be bilingual. I just, I love everything about Japan. I wanted to stay there for the rest of my life. And the Lord made it so clear to me that it was time to go home. We had a child with some medical issues that he used to do that, to change my heart. And now looking back, oh my goodness. I mean, our church is involved with missions all over the world. Just hundreds of lives have been changed. And, uh, so much more than I could have done there in Japan as a single missionary, one man, you know, sure, I had a little church, but uh, yeah, not really being able to speak fully in Japanese or preach in Japanese. I could do a little bit, uh, but 
oh my goodness, what a what a difference being here and raising up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of uh, people through 21 years of discipling them and impacting uh, Santa Rosa and impacting the world. I mean, we just got back from Uganda and Peru. Uh, every year we go to a couple of places like that. And um, we've been to Jordan and Nepal and India and the Philippines, <laughs> Ethiopia. Uh, so just, I, you know, we, I got this thing in my head. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to. And then the Lord is like, well, I want you to. And then I come to find out that that's really where my heart really truly was. So that I didn't even know the desires of my heart were really here to pastor, to equip the church, to preach the gospel and to disciple people and and send out missionaries. I, I didn't even know that, you know. So that's what, you know, when God changes your plan, it's because that's his heart and design for us. He's the one who created us, right? Absolutely. So, and isn't it so remarkable how sometimes our, our in our, our, our finite thinking uh, bangs right up against God's infinite knowledge and wisdom, and we begin to understand just by by inches, just a slight glimpse, that we have a vision for God that's this big for what we think we'd like to do for him, and that God is equipping us and calling us to do something that stretches beyond our wildest imagination. And I mean, to look back on this and think, how small-minded you were to think you could just plant a mission's work in a tiny part of Japan and reach a handful of people in Japan. And right. now, fast forward, you know, uh, a couple of decades plus later, and here you are in a position to influence globally, not mm -hmm. hundreds, not thousands, but tens of thousands of people on multiple continents because he's put you in a position to to train up his children, to implant in them that sense of vision, that passion for Judea first, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth with the dissemination of the gospel and see that you had this much vision and God had that much. And all it really took was, as we talked about earlier, the boldness to step forward and trust him and the ability to understand, hey, God's got me. I'm just going to walk through that door. I don't understand it all. I'm sure glad he does. I take God's plans for my life over my own any day. <laughs> me too. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're always better. They're always better. Tell us a bit about what God has been doing at Calvary Chapel, The Rock. You mentioned earlier about a small church plant few dozen people 40 something people in the small community of sebastopol and um, you have a growing problem which is good news i love nothing more than to hear churches that say we've run out of room or we've gone to our second and now our third or our fourth service time in order to accommodate tell us what god is doing well, you know, we started doubling in size. Uh, we moved from that little tiny, I call it a hut. It was a hall that we uh, met in and we got up to probably 75 people. We moved downtown, then it grew to about 150. And then we moved up the hill a little bit to a conference center. Then we moved to a community center. And then now to the current place that we're at. 
We've been here for about 13, 14 years. We've grown uh, to the offices next door to the original space and then to a big, uh, it used to be an airplane hangar uh, beside us uh, on the other direction. And so now we've grown uh, to three services on Sunday. Uh, the parking is limited. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're, we just praise God because, you know, uh, Ephesians 3.20, he can do more abundantly, exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or think. And that's what he's done uh, with us. You know, somebody said, you know, it's like a, when you see a turtle on a fence post, you know that he had to have help to get there, you know? So kind of look at us and we just give thanks to God because apart from him, we could do nothing, you know? So to take uh, somebody with, we had zero money, zero. I had just come out of that bone marrow transplant from UCSF. I was in the hospital three months and eight months after I got out of the hospital on disability, we started the church with no money at all. And just those chairs, those Costco chairs that I always talk about, uh, and to see what God has done. It's amazing. I'll tell you one uh, shout out for sure is that God sends these loyal hearted, beautifully gifted um, men and women of God who have made the difference and made the church what it is. Um, You know, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the amazing a way that the body of Christ works, that there are many members and they're all, they all have gifts and abilities and we all come together for that beautiful picture of um, preaching the gospel, sharing the good news and loving one another. And uh, boy, if it wasn't for, I love in Psalm 16, it says, uh, David says of, of the holy ones uh, in in the land, he says, they are my delight. You know, the children of God and uh, wanting to serve him and uh, love on one another and use their gifts and abilities uh, for his glory has made the rock what it is. I mean, you walk in and it's just really full of life and a lot of love and uh, just God is really doing a work. We just baptized 40 people this summer. Wow. Uh, yeah, the last 20 were in the river, the Russian river. It's just amazing uh, how many people are just being invited by their neighbors. We have so many little evangelists here at The Rock, and they love uh, inviting people to church. And, you know, then they do, they've been witnessing for years to these people. They invite them to church, they come, they hear the gospel, and then they get saved. And that I get to lead them to the Lord. It's like in John chapter four, where it says, you know, others have done all the hard work and then they invite them to church. And all I do is say, anybody want to come to know the Lord and the hands go up and I get to lead them in a prayer. But really the body, uh, the members here at the rock, uh, they're amazing. And what what a delight to see God's plan play out, meaning one plants the other one waters, somebody else then reaps the harvest. And that really is the way this is supposed to function. I think sometimes we get paralyzed by the notion that, well, I I, I share the four spiritual laws with my next door neighbor, but they didn't bow right then and there. What am I doing wrong? And I think sometimes we, we forget our own spiritual journey, that there are these little moments in time and encounters and experiences that a little by little along the way, the Holy Spirit yeah. is revealing himself to us 
and moving our heart in that direction so that we come to the point where we can acknowledge not only our own innate sinful nature, but then acknowledge who Christ is and then ultimately surrender our life to him. It really, you know, we, we think of salvation as an instantaneous moment, and it certainly is at the moment that we, we, we gaze upon Christ's death and resurrection or the moment that we finally surrender. But the matter of the journey coming to the cross, that really is that just it. It's a process. It's a journey, isn't it? Yeah. Well, let me tell you, I just baptized a couple, and here's what happened. Ten years ago, we used to, as a staff, which i got to say I've got the best staff in all the world, and uh, we used to go to Togo's nearby for our lunch, and we used to share the gospel with the owners, husband and wife, uh, behind the counter. That was ten years ago. So... A few months ago, or maybe it's been uh, several months by now, uh, I'm talking to a woman, and we both start to connect some dots and realize, oh my goodness, you're the you're the woman at Togo's. You're the you, you're the number nine pastrami person. You know, she's she's looking at me saying number nine pastrami, and I, I'm like, you're the Togo's lady. And so we had shared the gospel with them for months. And then uh, we we stopped going there, actually, and uh, I think the fires came through and burned the place down. Mm. But uh, uh, we we just stopped going, and it had been 10 years, and we barely recognized each other, but there they were. And they both gave their hearts uh, to the Lord at the rock, and I baptized both of them. And uh, it's just amazing. And I did want to say that uh, the gifts and the hearts of the staff that God has provided here— and the volunteers, there's probably a hundred volunteers or more, uh, but the staff, there's about 10 of them full time. And uh, that's half of what we started the church with. Uh, so they're just amazing. We just are, we're friends. We love each other. And um, it's just a joy to get to uh, make our living uh, being really good Christians and sharing the gospel and and loving one another and loving God's people, it's just a, I, it's a real privilege to work with them. And that story, I think, plays out in the way we began our conversation here today, uh, talking about your own faith journey and the encounter that uh, a Jewish boy, your your father had with Jesus Christ, and eventually you're escaping to California, not realizing right. that, that, that uh, God was already here and waiting for you, even yeah. even before the plane landed in Los Angeles, right? right. And, and to watch and see the way he has demonstrated his faithfulness repeatedly down through the years. Our conversation today with Pastor Ross Reinman, lead pastor of Calvary Chapel, The Rock, Santa Rosa. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our discussion in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Ross Reinman, lead pastor of Calvary Chapel, The Rock, Santa Rosa. I want to pivot to something that you said for a moment, because some listening might have caught it as I did. You mentioned about a health scare, health experience. Right. Tell us a bit about that. And, and, and most importantly, if you would, Pastor Ross, focus a bit on, on God's staying power, restorative power, healing power in your own journey, your own faith journey. Well, yeah, it started out with just a little bulge in my neck and being tired 
and it turned out to be Hodgkin's lymphoma. And uh, usually it Hodgkin's is pretty treatable. Uh, but of course, I had the resistant strain of it. So after six months of chemo and uh, a month of radiation, I was all clear, except a few months later, I recurred. And so uh, they had to do a bone marrow transplant. So that involved uh, really killing all of my own blood cells because it's a blood cancer and uh, giving me back my own marrow. And uh, that was quite an ordeal. And uh, it, it was horrible because I couldn't see my kids during that time. And, it, you know, it just it was a very painful process of a bone marrow uh, transplant, a lot of ups and downs. And uh, I really had the peace of the Lord. He just really uh, did a, another miraculous story that I uh, probably don't have time to talk about. Uh, but he uh, really uh, gives the strength. And, you know, that verse, when I'm weak, then I'm strong because his power is made perfect uh, in weakness. And so uh, he took a guy who just came out of a bone marrow transplant and with no money and still weak and uh, did an amazing work because he could highlight his strength and his power so that I can look back and go, well, we didn't have anything except God. And so God gets all the glory. I was telling our story to somebody, an unbelieving, an unbelieving neighbor, and he kept saying, wow, you know, you, you really pulled yourself up from your bootstraps and he was trying to give me the credit. And I kept giving it back to God, which he didn't like. <laughs> and I kept saying, no, 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 I didn't even have boots. I couldn't pull up my <laughs> bootstraps because I didn't have boots. I didn't even have feet. You know, that's how it seems, you know, that God just came in and uh, picked a, a most unlikely bunch of people, put us all together, filled us with this love. And uh, burned in our hearts a desire to see people not perish, um, but to come to the, ch the have, have a saving knowledge and a saving faith of the Lord. So, yeah, sickness is, is no fun, but uh, God can use it to uh, bring glory and to sh teach you a lot of things that you could never uh, see uh, without that. I love the psalmist said, uh, before I was afflicted, you, you know, I went astray. But because of the affliction and the tribulation, um, oh, I've come to know you, you know, in a deeper and profound way. So I'm, I'm pretty thankful for uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma and what it did. And, of course, I've been cancer-free for 21 years. I always forget to finish the story that and say, hey, I survived. Um, but, you know, that was a joke, Craig. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, <get that. laughs> I survived. Yes, yeah, you right did now, indeed. And, uh, and isn't it isn't it uh, so thrilling to see the way God shows up in those experiences uh, uh, when you reach the point me. where you don't have the energy and strength and the doctors sometimes seem to be scratching your, their heads and, you know, we want to believe in them. And yet we also know that it's the practice of medicine. And uh, when they're done practicing, let us know. But to see the way God shows up and uh, in our absolute, utter weakness, he is strong. And then to see the way he brings about miracles, both great and small, during those kinds of experiences 
And and in the end, if we just trust him, I mean, you know, what Paul said, hey, absent from the body is present with the Lord. There's no way that we lose in this case, you know, yeah. to to to, uh, to, yeah. to to die is to gain. Right. Uh, but at the same token, to see the way God's faithfulness is there and will pull us through those moments and then to be able to say to others, listen, yeah, like a lot of kids that went to vacation Bible school, uh, you know, that little uh, children's hymn. Uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And we certainly rely upon God's word. But then I think sometimes when you go through those kinds of health experiences, you 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 have to rely upon him so completely and so utterly that, yes, you know that he loves you because the Bible tells you so. But I think there's also a sense of you know that you know that you know deep down in the very depth of your being that God's faithfulness is there. Why do I know it? Because he showed up for me. Yeah. You know, I was laying there at UCSF on the 11th floor and uh, just nauseous and weak and depleted and ghastly pale and not even an eyelash left, you know. And just feeling ruined. And I had no desire to talk to a doctor or a nurse about the Lord. I couldn't read the Bible. I was just just a wreck. And I'm laying there and I'm feeling worthless, you know. And I said, Lord, I'm worthless. I can do nothing. I'm not reading. I don't want to read. I don't want to talk to anyone, including you. And the Lord was like, finally. I've got you in this beautiful place where my love is not dependent on your output for me or how effective you think you are, that you have to do, do, do and read, read, read and pray, 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 because you are worth the world to me without you having to do anything that his love for me is unconditional as it is for everybody listening right now. He doesn't love us for what we can do for him. I mean, he has everything he needs. You know, it's not what we can give to him. It's just that he created us. He knit us together in our mother's womb for good purposes because he loves us. You know, you you don't not like the thing you created and gave life to. You know, so we're all here because he loves us and wants a relationship with us. Uh, and what a delight to just simply, you know, well, we're told labor to enter into his rest. There's some work in doing right. that. But <laughs> once, right. once we finally accomplish that, what a delight to know just to be able to relax and rest. And as scripture yeah. says, rest and know that I am God. Wow. Mm-hmm. Powerful stuff. Pastor, yeah. before time slips away from us, I want to pivot and have you share for a moment for folks that have been eavesdropping on our conversation today and say, wow, you know, I'm up in the North Bay area. That sounds like a pretty exciting church. I'd like to come check it out. Uh, just give us kind of a thumbnail sketch of, of what God is doing at Calvary Chapel, The Rock in Santa Rosa. Well, uh, for the summer, uh, Wednesday night, 630, we have uh, study through the Psalms. That's what we do. And uh, right now we're in First Peter chapter 3. We go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Um, so we have, eight, uh, we have an 8 o'clock service, 9.30 and 11.30 uh, uh, on Sundays. And uh, there's young adults that's like 
oh my goodness, there's like 75 young adults that come out, they have food together, they're going through the Gospel of Luke right now, they have a lot of fun together, the ladies' Bible studies, there's like three different ones, and uh, all all wonderful studies, the men are having a um, Bible study kick, kicking off uh, this fall, uh, so next month, uh, we're in the book of James, uh, the youth, the youth group and the middle schoolers, uh, we have Awana uh, starting up, uh, the child discipleship uh, program there where they memorize the scriptures and have a lot of fun and uh, just learn to know the Lord. And so, uh, yeah, it's busy, busy, busy. You know, I, I would say the church is all about really uh, teaching the Bible. We're a Bible teaching church. And if you want to learn about the Bible, um, the rock's a good place to, to start. Uh, we also preach the gospel there. So, uh, you know, we give altar calls and uh, we're all about people coming to know the Lord. And then missions. Missions is a big deal. And so that's kind of the heartbeat of the church. And so. Uh, we're available here. Here we are on Piner Road, uh, still uh, looking for that uh, place. So pray for us, uh, you uh, Christians out there, because uh, we really need a place to settle down and put in some roots. So. It's a good good problem to have, though. Well, Pastor, we appreciate you sharing with us today. And I want to remind listeners, if you're new to the San Francisco Bay Area or looking for a new church home up in the North Bay, we invite you to check out Calvary Chapel, The Rock. They meet at 915G Piner Road in Santa Rosa. Again, service times, as Pastor Ryman mentioned, Sundays at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. And you can get more details and information by going online to CC, think Calvary Chapel, cctherock.org. That's cctherock.org. And our thanks to Pastor Ross Reinman, lean pastor of Calvary Chapel, The Rock, for sharing some of your story. We needed really three or four hours, I think, to get through it all. So we're just going to call this the, the, the hour-long Reader's Digest version. And I look forward to getting a chance to visit with you again, Pastor. It's been a real delight. That's right. You come on up here after church. We'll, we'll take you out to lunch. We'll have a good time. Love to do that. And meanwhile, if you're eavesdropping, then here's your, your invitation as well to join That's in right. service. Calvary Chapel, The Rock, located again in Santa Rosa, online at cctherock.org. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.